What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is a Monday rundown on a Thursday. We're keeping the name Monday rundown because I like it, so get over it. Today, Sean and I jumped right in. We talked MLB, specifically the Yankees, a lot of injuries going around. We talked that and some spring training news. Following that, we talked NBA, we talked Nets, a little bit of Rockets, and some Sixers. Then we went around the league a bit. After that, we talked the NFL, big Tom Brady news coming out. Sean was excited to talk about that and some combine news. Then we did a little pop culture, maybe a little politics, and wrapped it up with a little college basketball talk. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, SorrySports.com, greatest website in the world. And if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the pod, guys. Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. We're here for our weekly rundown. We won't even call them Monday rundowns anymore. Uh, episode 139, we got a lot to cover. I like Monday rundown, by the way. I like Monday rundown, too. We'll get back to it at some point. I think we should just call it that. Get you over it if it's it? on a Thursday. <laughs> okay, we can, we can keep it. I do like Monday rundown. It sounds better. Tom, how are you, pal? I'm doing all right, bro. Um. I'm glad to hear your voice, but I miss your face. Hopefully, we can get one in studio soon. I know it, it's it's been so long. I think it was like our first pot of 2020. Yeah, I think so too. The studio and since we'll then, get in there soon. We will. I'll there, tell you what. I'm gonna give you a big hug and a big wet kiss on the lips when I see you. I can't wait. You know, according <laughs> to you, uh, Mike will be jealous. Um, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we got a lot to get to, man, and. Um, you know, as we're as we're getting ready for the conference tournaments in basketball and another, I believe it's two weekends. We're in yep. the dog days in the NBA. Spring training started, and I guess that's that might as be might be where we'll start our pod, right? Like, I think you have to as a Yankees news. As we're man. Yankees I mean, fans, you know, I I don't <laughs> think we hide that the fact that we're Yankees fans. I think we should lead off with some unfortunate news. Couldn't agree more. So let me ask you a question: Is this February 2019? Or I was going to say, a little deja vu, huh? Oh, my God. It, it, talk about it. Not in so, a good way, either. Not at all. But, you know, we hope at least it turns out to be another 103-win season that this time manifests in a championship. We'll get there. But, you know, for right now, Luis Severino suffered forearm tightness last week. And that's never good. You know, that's always seems to be a precursor. You know, that flexor tendon is involved somehow. Yep. Severino talked about how pronating his hands and throw the change up, put that stress on that forearm. Well, the worst possible case scenario turned out to be real. He's out for the year and heading into 2021. Tommy John, he's about to have. This is a real death blow. We'll talk about the ramifications in a minute, but... This sucks, man. This is a guy who, when he's at his top of his game, he's about as good of a pitcher as we've seen in Very the American rarely League. Is he at the top of his game, might I add? In his yeah, young I mean, career. he had 2017 through the first half of 2018. You know, he was an all-star in both those years. He was the Yankees' ace. Extremely dominant. And, 
and then you know 2018 second half he's not as good and heading into 2019 you know he he gets signs the extension four years 40 million gets hurt pitches only three games and then you know the two starts in the postseason this is insane man so just tell me what were your thoughts when you saw this and were you really surprised given the yankees history with pitchers and how they manage them injury wise and whatnot no i'm not surprised at all um you know, I just kind of want to know when this injury happened. Uh, was he feeling this before spring training? Because if he was feeling this before spring training, that's even more disappointing because it just uh, him saying this now just sets the timetable back to, like you said, mid-2021. He'll probably be back. Not going to be back to full Severino form. I don't even know what that is, but if it's 2017, he's not going to be back to that until I'd say 2022. Just thinking about that, that's two years from now. That's a real shame. Well, I'll answer your question for you. So everything that came out was he felt this in his last start, which was game three of the ALCS. Great, yeah. But he was cleared to pitch game seven if there was one, which, of course, we know there wasn't. I I don't trust the Yankees medical staff as far as I can tell. But here's the funny thing. So they fire their medical staff, right? And through the course of December before spring and to where spring training began when pitchers and catchers reported two weeks ago, they had done two MRIs and found nothing. How many times did he throw since then is my question. And how could he, in a simple bullpen, have re-aggravated this? He said he was throwing all winter and didn't feel it again until he was throwing a bullpen down in Tampa and felt it on throwing his changeup. So the reason that this cropped up was they did the dye contrast MRI, which they hadn't done before. And that well, what revealed- the fuck? I mean, you're paying the guy $40 million. Can we just do – I don't know how much more expensive it could be, but maybe it costs you, what, one section of, of one game's tickets to do this? Not even? It's it's not a great optic, especially since they fired their whole training staff and brought in new guys. It's coming out to be the same thing as last year, at least from the onset. So he has this dye contrast MRI Monday, and it's revealed, okay, he's going to need Tommy John. That came out on Tuesday. So the, the thing that I struggle to comprehend is, and I'm sure you'll agree, is just the absurdity of the process to get to this point. I don't understand. Sean, do you want to know how much the added cost from a regular MRI to a dye contrast MRI is? One to th- is 100 to $300. Oh, Jesus. So that's what? A guy getting a little tipsy at Yankee Stadium? That's how much fucking four beers cost. Facts. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I don't know what... You know what? I was, I was going to go on a whole rant about how, you know, YouTube TV, we just lost the Yes Network, and I only have a PS4 to watch TV on, and it's the only thing supported is YouTube TV. But I'm not even mad about it, because now after I see this, three hundred one to $300 tops, I'm not watching the Yankees this year. I'm out. Oh, no, you're not. You're going to watch. I, I don't can't. Think it's, a, it's, it's not a matter of price. It was really just, again... It's a it's a dereliction of duty on the part of the entire organization, from front office down to medical staff. I mean, the fact that they're figuring this out now after he complained about it in uh, in 
October, the only thing you could do is go to the med- old medical staff that was on hand and training staff and sue them for malpractice. Because how in the fuck you should have had this when, you know, as soon as the season ended, you would have still missed all of 2020, but at least we know you're back in 2021. Tom, this guy signs a four-year extension prior to 2019 season. And now we're basically losing him for two of it. Two and a half years. Let's say best-case scenario, he comes back in June of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So that means out of that contract, he's giving you, best-case scenario, a year and a half. That's unreal, man. That's unreal. Man... Honestly, I'm at a loss for words, and we're going to talk about more injuries, and you're going to have to defend your boy Stanton here um, because this is getting ridiculous. But with the Severino thing, I mean, you say it a lot, and I feel like the Yankees, when you're talking about the medical staff, you say it a lot for them too. Dereliction of duty. There's nothing else you could say from both medical staffs, the fired one and the and the hired one. Get him a goddamn fucking die MRI. Jesus Christ. It's real bad. It's real bad, and you know, I, I, we will get to Stanton in a second, and I'll, and I'll talk about him, and I will defend him. But Jesus Christ, here we go again. I but can't wait. It's, yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's what makes this pod great. Is I'm going to convince you by the end of my argument, and you're going to say, "Wow, Sean, you're brilliant." But no, I mean, the closing comment I would use is just disappointing. It's just disappointing because look, do I think that the Yankees will be okay? I do. At, at the end of last year, right, like, I don't expect – you can't expect to have something happen like last year where 30 different IL stints occur and you still win 103 games. That's an outlier. That doesn't happen and more than once, and that certainly won't happen the second year in a row. But you've still got Cole. You've still got Tanaka. Paxton will be back in early May. Man, we'll Montgomery. see about that. Yep, but you've Another got injury-prone guy. You've got, you're right, but, you know, we can only take it with what we're hearing and everything sounds good. Absolutely. You've got Montgomery back. I'm hyped on that. I'm huge on that. Hap, it looks good, and you have depth again. Remember, Hap was good in the second half last year. Nobody wanted to talk about it. I watched him in the first spring training game. He's touching 93, and you know what? It it wasn't the velo that was his issue. It was fine. It was hitting his spots, and in the first spring training game, he was dotting the plate all over. He pitched again today and looked just as good. He gave up a solo homer or a a, uh, RBI single in the first, and after that, nothing happened. He looked real good. And the other thing is, you do have legitimate depth. Are we not glad they didn't trade him? Well, that's the biggest thing, man. I mean, you know, we always want to talk about trading for trading depth, but you don't know how badly you're going to need certain guys. Glad we didn't trade that outfield depth either. Exactly, dude. Exactly. And that's that's what makes, you know, executives like Brian Cashman worth $5 million a year because they're able to understand that. And And make up for the shitty injury staff. Or the shitty medical staff, I'm sorry. Well, and again, like, this just seems to be, you know, whatever can go wrong does go wrong. But I was going to say, from the depth of that fifth spot, you know, you have Clark Schmidt, who's looked really good. Michael King looks really good. You've got Will Isaacs still. You know, you I have think he's Pedro a career Garcia. bullpen guy, honestly. Sure, and that might be the case, but you do have options. Debbie I mean, Garcia, they, and then you have, you know, they can all hold down the fort until our guy Domingo comes back. He's not my guy. I mean, he's a bad guy, clearly, but... Right, and I was going to say, too, is you, you, 
exactly what you just said. Domingo's coming back in June. He'll fill that role. He won't be on any kind of innings restriction. And they do have the depth because they didn't just trade it away for nothing to go get a guy. There's there's a lot of pitchers right now on the market who, if their teams fall out of it, will become available because they're impending free agents. Trevor Bauer is one. Corey Kluber is one, to name two guys that you could go get. And we've seen the Yankees do that before. So they're going to have the depth to go get a guy if they need it. And they also have people from within the organization who should help. And let's not forget, the Yankees do have the best bullpen in baseball. Absolutely. Nonetheless, still totally sucks to lose Paxton and then obviously Severino. I think it has nothing to do with even – I mean, obviously it has to do with this year, but it's more just a player because of the promise and whatnot that he was showing before this back-to-back, seemingly back-to-back-to-back because he's probably not going to be back till mid-next season injury year. And it just, it really sucks. And everybody's comparing him to Pedro Martinez. Well, guess what? Pedro Martinez stayed healthy. Great point. Yeah, I was just going to say, you you dreamt about this dynamic one-two punch of of Cole and Severino, and you're not going to have that. And can you can they still win a World Series? Sure, but you know, definitely take some of the some of the you know anticipation and hype out of it. So let's get to Stan. Before I make my defense for him, I want to hear your take on his Grade One calf strain. All right, so listen, I. I'm going to go ahead and call him injury-prone at this point, and it has nothing to do with the fact of the time that he missed on that fluke eye injury in Miami. Obviously, if you get hit in the face with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, it's it's not going to be good. So I don't include that, but I've got a tweet here since the start of 2019. Strain bicep, that's a left. Strain left shoulder. Strain left calf. And then he switched to the other side of his body. Strain PCL, strain right, right quad, strain right calf. These soft tissue injuries are real worrisome for me, bud. Of course they are. And, and for me, I don't know if he has to change up his diet, change up his training. I've already recommended yoga for the guy. Clearly, he's not a listener of this podcast or else he would have <laughs> taken my recommendation. But again, I'm going to say, Giancarlo, I'm going to call you Mike until you learn how to get healthy. Mike. Stanton, your former name. I mean, how many yoga studios are there in New York? He's living with a roommate. I don't know if he still is, but, I mean, he's saving money, so clearly he could splurge on, like, a, I don't know, a pure bar is not yoga, but one of those fucking yoga studios, they got goat yoga if you're into animals. If you want to get a little hot and sweaty, they got the hot yoga. I mean, they've got all types of yoga. (laughs) Tom breaking down the yoga options for Giancarlo is definitely the best part of this pod that I did not anticipate. Go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. I I was just going to say that was great. Thank you. I I, I didn't expect that even a little bit. Um, Are you done or did you want to keep going? No, I mean, I think think my piece is short and sweet. I'm worried about this guy and... If he misses significant time this year, I think that, I mean, the trade still had to be made. You you paid for you paid for this guy pennies on the dollar. He's a former MVP. I'm not mad about that. I'm just disappointed. Okay, so that's where I was gonna go. And ah, I'm glad see, I beat you to that. it. So you did, you did, and 
the word I would use, just like I did for Seve, is disappointed. Now, if they signed him on the on the free market for for I don't know what he would have fetched, it'd be a lot more of a gut wrenching thing. But the fact that they got him on somewhat of a discount and they tr- basically traded what Sterling Castro and and nothing for him, it's a little more palatable. But it's still, at the end of the day, for an individual player, a huge disappointment. And I can honestly see him missing another 50, 60, 70 games this year. So that's the concern. And and I'm not. And you want him to play the outfield? Well, I don't think they do. I, I don't think that their plan was ever for him to be a full-time outfielder. That wasn't the plan when they got him, and that certainly isn't the plan now. I mean, last year he played because, remember, Talkman was hurt. So they didn't have another option, and they had Edwin Encarnacion. So they were going to play, you know, standing and left. But that's not that's neither here nor there. What is, is I'm not going to defend the injuries. What I'm going to defend is his standing with Yankee fans. Now, listen, you know I'm not those Yankee fans that are I'm not going to go up there I'm and I'm not boom. trying to convince you, buddy. I'm trying to convince everyone out there who when they see this, you know, say that he's a waste of money and he's, you know, a a, a piece of shit and they don't like him and they want him to strike out every time. To me those a first of all those people who I just described, you're the worst kind of fans. And second of all, all this guy does is play baseball. He wants to play baseball. He wants to win. He's had injuries that have restricted his ability to be able to do so. Now, the reason that he gets shit on more than anybody else is because Yankee fans, more than any fan base I know, and if, if you can think of one, please correct me, maybe Boston fans, but I still think Yankee fans are worse. And we're both Yankee fans, so I have the right to say this. Absolutely. We have this collective self-indoctrination period with players who were not, you know, originally part of the Yankee organization, whether they came over as high-profile trade pieces or free agents, where you have to earn it to us. Meanwhile... Earn your pinstripes. Exactly. Dumbest thing ever. come up through the organization don't have as much of that problem, and I get that. You know, we fall in love with our homegrown guys. But let me ask you a question. What would you describe Aaron Judges right now? Because you know he's still not playing in the spring. Oh, right? bro, we're on the same page. He he is just as injury prone, if not more, than G, than Mike. Sorry, I'm gonna say his real Mike. name. And he never careful there. Uh, <laughs> he never never gets shit on because Listen, it's Aaron Judge. We should shit on him. We do. Captain, I agree games. with you. Everything with him, right, you and I are on the same page, but a lot of people are not. Nobody complains about Aaron Judge constantly being hurt. He's hurt all the time. Now, two years, he had that wrist injury because he got hit on the on the wrist with a pitch by Jacob Junis of the Royals. Okay, fine. But how many oblique strains and shoulder issues have we seen with him? And you want to know a what lot. the other problem with these two are? Is that when, when these two get hurt, it takes them forever ever to get back into the swing of things no pun intended and to get the it's like it's like a spring training all over it takes them like a month and a half just to get back to form right i mean we were talking about it last year man right when judge came back after being out for that you know month and a half two month span with his oblique and he was awful he was an automatic out for a while and you're you're 100 right and 
I got another guy I want to mention who people don't talk about as much again because he's kind of on a, a a discount as far as an overall deal is concerned, and we got him for really nothing a couple of years ago, and that's Aaron Hicks. Aaron oh Hicks my is God. He's all the worst of them all, time. to be honest. Guy is made of glass. Yeah, no, I, and, and so, so we're here, I'm defense, on the same page. Yeah, my defense to Stanton is this is not. You know, and I even felt this way about Ellsbury. And listen, Ellsbury was was rough, and they never should have paid him what they paid him. And Boston didn't even want him back, and that was my whole defense for that. Jacoby Ellsbury didn't play because he didn't want to play. The guy just seemed to have been bitten by every single injury under the sun. But when he played, he was actually a pretty good ball player for the Yankees on some bad teams. But, you know, again, he was the high-priced free agent who never lived up because he was hurt all the time. Oh, bro, you can go back in time to Kevin Brown, Carl Pavano, even A-Rod. I mean, A-Rod but got the shit for the longest guys, time. Though, is they, they didn't perform. A, but see, that's my piece, is they were ineffective when they played, too. So between constantly being hurt and getting paid, and then when they did play, not be very good, that was a recipe for disaster, and I kind of get that. But Stanton's been really good when he's played. Yep. Just but he had to get him on the field. Season. Right. And that's the word I would use. You know, as a net fan, we'll talk NBA in a little bit. I'm disappointed with Kyrie. I- I'm not mad at him. I don't think he's faking anything. He's just hurt. And I love watching him play. And it's disappointing that he's constantly hurt. And with Stanton, you know, grade one cap strain is nothing. It's like a two or three day thing with really good treatment. But the reason that it's back up against it for opening day being questionable is is because, you know, he hadn't really done anything in spring yet. Yeah, so, and it's also given his injury history to re-aggravate that thing. A hundred percent, man. And that's, you know, it, it's upsetting. But Yankee fans everywhere, please just don't shit on him as a person. Don't shit on him as not being an actual Yankee. Your actual Yankee, who everybody wants as a captain, Aaron Judge, is in the same spot every year. I promise you he'll miss time this year. Hicks is going to be out till June or July with his Tommy John. Severino's hurt. So it's it's not it's not just the Stanton thing. It's a collective level of disappointment that we as fans are seeing. But just because he makes the most money and just because he's not the Yankee homegrown guy, please don't, you know, treat it like he doesn't want to play. He wants to play. He's just suffered an incredible amount of you know, unluckiness and we'll see, you know, hopefully this is nothing but a bump in the road for a really good year. And, you know, but that's my defense of him. Did I convince you at all? I mean, you didn't really have to convince me because, you know, right before your, your, your defense in general, I I mentioned exactly what you said. We're on the same page there. I'm more worried and disappointed than anything else. I know he's a supreme talent. I know he doesn't want to be hurt. I'm in agreement with all that. It's just, you know, it gets to the point where it's going to be tough. It's never going to be tough to justify that deal because you had to do it. But it's it's just going to be tough that they're paying him all this money just to be hurt all the time. It's going to get to that point. No, I think so. I, and that, I Let's think hope it doesn't. That. Of course, I don't want it to, and I'm not rooting to be right here, but... I mean, shit, if he misses, you know, half of this year or whatever, goddamn, that's a lot. It is a lot. So let's talk about other stuff from Yankee Camp before we move on. What else has caught your eye so far, my man? We're a weekend. 
I'll tell you what. I mean, obviously, we just spoke about it. The outfield is literally wide open. I mean, the only healthy starter that you have, and Lord knows if they even wanted him to be a starter, was Brett Gardner. Um, thank God they re-signed him at this point. And we were saying, I mean, at least I was saying, I don't really care if he walks. Now I'm eating my own words here. But Tyler Wade looks a lot bigger and a lot stronger. He's still got that quickness, and he dropped an absolute fucking bomb today. And my boy, and I'm going to defend him to the grave or until he retires from baseball, Clint Frazier hit one. And it's never been about his hitting, but his fielding's a little less shaky. I think he's a little less hazy from that post-concussion syndrome. And I don't know, man. Maybe he could be starting in right field or left. I think he's more comfortable in left. Guardy's your everyday center fielder at this point. I, I think Frazier, if he keeps hitting the way he does, he might be the starting left fielder, and I'm not upset about it. I love your takeaways. I was going to say the same thing. And, and you know I love Clint, too, as a fellow ginger. And I've always <laughs> thought he's kind of gotten a bad rap by Yankee fans. because, Or not by Yankee fans, rather, by the Yankees themselves. I mean... Tough, man. He's a, He was a blue-chip prospect, too. Absolute stud. Five-tool prospect, bro. I yeah. Mean, he, you know, he's flamboyant. You know, he, he's, he doesn't mind, you know, speaking his speaking his mouth and his mind and everything he's trying to yeah his mind talking with his mouth you know wide open which is not really the yankee way but he's a contrarian from that regard but i i i how can you not love him when he plays he looks like a ball player plays hard plays real hard he carried this team for a while last year when they were completely inept you know, offensively. I'm hoping he's past, I guess, I mean, in general terms, you can call it the yips. It's more because of that concussion syndrome. Kind of screwed up his death perception, which is tough. And when you're trying to judge a fly ball, um, he's mentioned that he's feeling a lot better from that. Still a little shaky. I think that's more just a mental thing out there in the outfield. But I think he's going to be comfortable by the end of spring training. And I'm looking for a big year from Clint Frazier. And everybody can hop the fuck off the Clint train because – Everybody was talking shit about him. Nobody liked him. I've been on this guy since we got him. And you yeah. know that. And, and anybody can go back and listen to those podcasts. I've been in love with him, and I have never wavered. Dude, you have not. And remember, I got really upset last year when they sent him down. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And that, and because well, they, he's not. if he keeps playing the way he is, he's going to force his hand. He should, and and you know the only thing that he has going up against him is there's a left-handed hitter that, that plays the same positions as him and actually can play center as well. That provides that opposite, you know, side of the plate pop that the Yankees really don't possess, and that's Mike Talkman, who also played really well last year. And I mean, listen, I agree with you, but you're you're missing Judge as well. You can stick Talkman in right field, and he can definitely play a decent right field. Well, he can play, yeah, well, Talkman, exactly. He can play right, left, and center. You know, Frazier's really, you don't want him playing. I know he's played right a couple times this spring. He's got a good arm, but you know what? When it, when it comes to the depth perception and stuff, you want that guy being able to be comfortable in his position. And judging a fly ball off the bat from right field is a lot different than left field, and I would just be more confident with moving Talkman around, you know? Yeah, well, I I was just going to get to that point. You're you're a hundred percent right. I, that's that's why they look at Talkman and why I look at Talkman as somebody who has a better chance of making the team. Let's just say Stan does come back. You know, you've got Gardner, who's your quote unquote everyday center fielder, but Talkman can play center too. 
Frazier, you don't want to move out of left field when he plays. And another guy that has caught my eye so far, in addition to Tyra Wade, who you mentioned, I don't really have anything more to say about him, is Miguel Andujar, who has played left field for the first time in an actual game yesterday and looked okay. Caught a couple fly balls. He ripped a double down the left field line. And this is a guy who, if Stanton is out, is going to probably be your everyday DH. And, you know, if he can show that versatility and play some left field and play some third base and even a little first, I mean, this is a guy you don't want to get off the team. And, and I have a, a, a trepidation that Clint Fraser is just going to be the odd man out because he doesn't have the versatility of a Tyler Wade, a Mike Talkman, or a Miguel Andujar. Yeah, it's unfortunate for my for my bid for Clint Frazier. I'd like to see... Andahar maybe move over to first full time, but you have Luke Voigt. Now he's an athlete. He I think he can play anywhere and, and the bottom line is when you have a bat like that, you're gonna find your way into the lineup pretty often. Yeah, for sure. And Voigt's a really good player. Let's not forget about that. Oh, I agree with you. Absolutely. I mean he had his struggles, but there was times where, you know, you mentioned Frazier, there was times where Voigt carried that team RBI wise as well. Oh, yeah, and did you hear the surgery that Voight had in the offseason for that hernia that he was suffering from? No, I didn't. Oh, dude, it was nasty. So, like, he's come back in, like, pinnacle shape. He's absolutely yoked. Like, he's going to be ready to go. Like, he absolutely is ready to go. And, you know, and Duhar at this point is a depth piece that they're very much going to need and, you know, try him out in other positions. The way this Yankee team has gone the last two years – you might need him at every position this year. Who knows? At this point, they should just hire us as the medical staff. I mean, we couldn't do a worse job, could we? <laughs> I really hope I think not. rub some dirt on it coming from us might be about the same as what the fuck they're doing. Could be. Yeah, their medical expertise, certainly from both staffs, hasn't really panned out. So a little bit disappointing for the start of spring training, but I am still looking forward to the start of the regular season. Oh, how could you not? I mean, there is still optimism. I mean, you know, we talk about all of these things. Look at the depth this team has. Look at the resources this team has. They won 103 games last year. Got to game six of the LCS against a cheating Astros team. <laughs> I mean, they've still got the best bullpen in baseball, like I alluded to earlier. I, you don't have – a lot of teams would like to have these problems. And I'm sure You're they'll right. be fine. And, you, and like you said earlier, there's moves to be made, and they have the depth and the pieces to go out and get it. I mean, again, Frazier is clearly expendable, and if he shows anything this spring training to raise his stock, they can go out and get another big arm in the uh, at the trade deadline. Andahar may prove himself to be expendable as well. So they still have guys where they can go out and get a Kluber or a Bauer or any of those big arms. No doubt, and... and- you know, I think that's the brilliance of Cashman from that regard, right? Like, he's not going to sell, you know, guys for a penny on the dollar. He's going to hold on to them, and he's going to know at some point someone's going to become available who they're going to need, and they're going to have the chips to, to acquire that player where other teams won't. Absolutely. And the last thing I will say is on Frazier, I think this is his year, and I think he's either going to force his way into the bigs by hitting about 400 in spring train in, uh, in the minors if they don't pick him, or he, they're going to have to just, he's going to force their hand to trade him because I just think he's absolutely going to tear it up wherever he is. I agree with you. And isn't it kind of at that point now? Like they've sent him down, they've had him up, he's, he's succeeded on the big league level enough in a large enough sample size where. 
okay. Like, we know what he is as a player. He just doesn't fit. So, At the end of the day, it's shit or get off the pot time with him. No doubt. And I'm sure no he feels that way, too. And I think the Yankees feel that way, too. They don't want to continue to have to answer these questions of what he is. They know what he is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, so with that being said, let's move on to some regular season NBA. Um, your Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving is out. Now, I've watched a little bit of the Nets, and you know they say that DeAndre Jordan was a tax to get Kyrie and Kevin Durant, but given the way that DeAndre Jordan's been playing. Was Kyrie attacked to get DeAndre Jordan and Kevin Durant at this point? Because <laughs> he's been tearing it up. <laughs> yeah, he's played well. I mean, he he fits what they do because he's a lot like Jared Allen. I mean, he's a he's a rim protector and he's you know great on those on those pick and rolls and and you know the athleticism speaks for itself. The Kyrie injury, I mean, obviously it sucks. I mean. This is a guy he played who, 20 games this year, man. That's And he was having his most efficient year, but the problem is their record was under 500 when he played. Now, that could have something to do with the fact that they they didn't really figure out a way to play with him, and I think they would have turned that around um, just because he's that type of talent. But, I mean, I, I would classify him as injury-prone, too, Talk, crossing over oh, sports oh, here. Yeah, I don't think there's a way you could contradict that. I, I You know, I certainly don't have – an argument against you there. Um, he's missed significant time for the last five years. And, you know, this time it's the shoulder impingement, which is a nasty injury because it's nerve based. So he's going to, he had the surgery. He's going to miss this year. You know, the personal questions are going to stem, right? Because he's a guy who has given up before as recently as last year in Boston I don't make too much of the record with and without him this year. It's hard to acclimate to a superstar, right? It, it's it's a lot easier to acclimate to role players and, and not skip a beat than it is to a floor general superstar who has never played with these guys before. So Bottom line, he needs the ball. Exactly. So I don't, I don't really – I mean, it, again, it wasn't much of a sample size. He played 20 games. So yeah. – Eight and twelve. I mean, we're the Nets are, I believe, now eighteen and twenty without him. So, like, how much better are they really? I, I don't know, man. They're a playoff I mean, they team. Walk. They're going to get their asses kicked in the first round. I mean, honestly, tell me as a fan, this must be a little bit disappointing for you, especially because I think you picked them as a top four seed. I did. I Wishful thinking a, a little bit, but. It was. It was It was part wishful thinking, which I admitted on that pod, and if you go back to October, and it was also because I thought he was going to have an MVP-type year, and with Karras and Dinwiddie and the rest of this core, I thought that, you know, you, you substitute D'Angelo Russell out for him, and this team is just going to be... He's going to win so many games on his own. Yeah, and it's just a shame if, if you, you get take a chance what to see he that. did in 20 games and put it over a cross of even, let's just say he played 75 out of the 82, I mean, that's an MVP candidate right there. He he had three games that he scored 50 or more points, and he played 20 games. He's the most most in the NBA, I think, or tied for the most 50-point games this year. Probably I mean, tied with Brad Beal because he's been going yeah, lately. Exactly. I mean, that's insane. So. It is disappointing, and I am concerned. And But one thing I will say, and this is a narrative that I hate, 
I'm sure you'll agree with me because you and I always get together on these kind of arguments. If you're the Brooklyn Nets, you do this thing all over again a million times out of a million. Like, uh, oh yeah, you're absolutely. You're the second, you're the second team in the in the in New York. Even though the Knicks suck, you have a chance to take over Brooklyn, and you have a chance to, when healthy, get two top fifteen players just for money. You're not trading anything away. I mean, of course, absolutely. Yeah, and it's that's, it's a disappointment, but again, it's like the Stanton deal. You do it ten out of ten times with your eyes closed. Yes. Absolutely, and that's my point, is it's like, does Kyrie have his baggage? Sure, and would I have been as ecstatic about getting him if it didn't come with Durant? Probably not. I would have talked myself into being excited about him, and I still am, but it is upsetting. I I comped this on one of our pods earlier this year. I can't remember which one it was. This year reminds me a lot of last year's Lakers team, except the second superstar is already there. They don't have to go trade for him. But I think the acknowledgement is there is it's not about this year. It never was. I mean, even when I picked them to be a top three seed, I said best case scenario, they lose in the second round because they just don't have enough. They're not better than Milwaukee or Toronto, even at full strength, or even Boston possibly. And, 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 you know, that's how I still feel. I mean, the last couple nights they blew a terrible 19-point lead to Orlando and lost at home. Yeah, guess who had money on that game? You did. That's why they blew it. There you go. So that, obviously. And then, you know, last night they lose in Washington to a bad Wizards team. So those are the kind of games where I look at, and when people are like, you're better without Kyrie, I'm like, if Kyrie was on the floor, he makes the shot to win that game. Yeah, and he doesn't let he, he doesn't let the magic come back either. He closes that one out. I agree with you completely. And the people that say you're better off without Kyrie, get the fuck out of here. Totally agree. I mean, it's my dad, who's a Nick fan, a long time suffering Nick fan, even longer than you. Yeah. And he said he's like, I would pay for KD and Kyrie to sit on the bench for all four years, <laughs> just to look at them they, and know that they chose the Knicks. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with him. <laughs> so there just you go. Just to sit there in a fucking suit. Just, you know, maybe we'll get another free agent saying how they tried it. Right. And that's that's kind of the thing. So, you know, like you said, there'll be a seven or eight seed and get bounced in the first round. But even so, I'm rooting for him. Dinwiddie's played great. Lavert has been awesome since he's been back. And uh, it's very, it's going to be a very interesting summer to see how they shake out this roster because um, there's going to be a lot of moves to be made, and I'm not sure who's gone and who's staying. But there I will be a lot of. Hold on to Joe Harris as well. I think he's played pretty good. You know, I think he's played so well that he's cost himself out of them. I, I do. I think somebody will pay him a lot of money, and I maybe he'll maybe he is the outlier that will take the hometown discount, but. He's played himself into a much higher salary annually than the oh, Nets. Oh, good for him. Exactly. So that's enough commiserating with my Nets. <laughs> I want to hear you talk about the Houston Rockets playing this quote-unquote micro ball since they switched to a small lineup. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're winning a shit ton of games, and I think you could explain to everybody how they're doing this because I don't get it. Well, for me, it's just the fact that it's it's so out there that other teams just are completely unprepared for it. Um, 
you know, and the other thing is that not having a big man in there has really reinvigorated Westbrook. So he's not a sidekick to Harden anymore. It's more of a 1A, 1B kind of thing because his efficiency numbers and his just raw numbers across the board have gone completely through the roof since it's happened. He's fearless going to the rim. He always has been. But he's just opening up the floor for him. And the other thing is, I think, you know, and the Rockets, analytically, they wanted to take threes more than any other team. And they just finally said, fuck it. You know what, Russell, do your thing. He's knocked down his he hasn't knocked down more threes he's he's knocked his percentage of taking threes down he's taking more high percentage for him two point shots going to the basket more his mid-range game is pretty solid so i see him making a lot of those and i just think honestly on a day-to-day basis how they're doing it is they're just shocking teams now i know your next question is are they going to be able to sustain that through the playoffs yeah and my answer to that is absolutely not now, I wasn't one of those people like Charles Barkley saying, oh, the Warriors will never you know, win a championship because their two best players are shooters and this, that, and the third. But again, the Warriors still had big men on their team, and they still played them. When your big man is P.J. Tucker, who basically is a linchpin to a grenade that's about to explode, because if he pulls a hammy, you guys are completely fucked. I, I just don't see them winning a series. Not to mention the fact that when you play a team possibly seven times in a row, at some point some of these better teams are going to figure this shit out. So do you think this was a last-ditch effort by Daryl Morey, kind of throwing his hands up and saying... I I mean, I think this goes against everything Daryl Morey wants to do when he traded for Russell Westbrook, giving up picks and getting an extra year or two years on a contract playing a guy that's a depreciating asset in the league. No offense to Russell Westbrook, but let's just face facts here. I don't even think he deserved to make the All-Star team this year, and Chris Paul definitely did. And I think, yeah, this was a... he. I think he just fucking went balls to the wall with all of his crazy analytical theories out there. And he said, well, if you guys are going to make... If you if Harden and the ownership's going to make me trade for Westbrook, I'm going to do the craziest fucking thing ever and just see if it works because they weren't playing great before that. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say that you think that the Harden and ownership made him trade for Westbrook because that's a Simmons, that's a Bill Simmons theory right there. You agree with that? I completely agree with that because if okay. you if you follow any of what Daryl Morey said aside from the China things, which we won't mention in the no, last, if we won't me- in the last couple of years, it just goes against everything that he believes in. This deal for Russell Westbrook, another high volume guy who's not like Harden. He's not he. He has high passing numbers because he has the ball in his hands a lot, but Harden is an efficient playmaker. Russell Westbrook is a volume playmaker, and Harden is an efficient scorer. Russell Westbrook is a volume scorer. Daryl Morey goes for efficiency and three-pointers, things that Russell Westbrook, it's like the anti-him. Yeah, no, it it was interesting to hear you because I I always thought it was curious. and hearing It goes against everything he says. Right. And that's that, like that, you tomorrow, you know, tweeting out like, fuck Gene Carlos Stanton and all this shit. And I'd be like, where is this coming from? Did somebody steal well, we your could, phone? We, well, we could start with me tweeting. That would already. True, be. true. <laughs> so, um, hey, I sent yeah, out no, my first tweet in a couple of years today. I told uh, YouTube TV to figure it out. Yeah, and we'll get to that in our last segment because I'm interested to hear you. I want to, A, I want a rant of yours, and B, I want to hear, you know, 
what decision you're going to roll with. But no, I agree with you. And the more that I've heard, you know, people talk about it, the more sense it, the more validated I feel about how I initially felt about it. Like, I'm not a, the world's biggest Chris Paul fan. I'll say that right now. Do I think he's a great point guard? Do I think he's a really great player? Yes. Do I think he's a top 10 point guard of all time? Absolutely not. He has come up very short in a lot of big spots on multiple teams. And I don't. I think he wears out his welcome very early on almost everywhere he's been. And he has not been able to fit with a lot of other superstars for whatever reason. And I'll always go back to that Game 7 against Utah in 2017 when that Clippers team was poised to make a run and he scores six points in a Game 7 at home and then is subsequently traded. You know, like, to me, top ten point guards, when you look back at the pantheon of NBA players, don't do that. Anyway, this is not meant to be a Chris Paul rant. What is meant to be is exactly what you said and everyone else, you know, has who disliked this trade from the get-go and had their conspiracy theories set. This was the antithesis of every Daryl Morey move ever. And Russell Westbrook does not fit on this team. But let's However, look at it. Let's look at it from now because the trade has been made. However, it was made. The exactly. gun was put to Maury's head, and I think this decision that he made to trade Capella. I think this one was all him. I, I think he loves this because um, it's just different, and it's it's. I, I'm not a fan of the way they play basketball. I don't find it very fun to watch somebody dribble out the shot clock for 22.5 seconds and then. I don't know, pull up from deep and whatever, and there's no ball movement. But, hey, I don't know. Maybe he looked at some numbers, crunched them, and he thought this was the best move. But, honestly, the bottom line for me is it's going to work in the regular season because teams are playing back-to-backs. Teams are playing pretty often. They're not used to seeing it. They're used to a big man being in there. It's just a completely different style of basketball. But when a team has plenty of time to prepare for you, you're going to be in trouble because – a center that Russell Westbrook abused, like Rudy Gobert, is not going to have four points and six rebounds or whatever he had. He's going to go in there and he's going to dominate, and they're going to have to figure it out, and I don't think they're going to be able to. And the other thing is, you know, and you see this from the Rockets every single year, is they they get off to a lead in a playoff series or they're neck and neck with a team, and then what happens? They go completely ice cold from three, and they can't stay in the game because they have no other options. And and this is going to be the super-duper mega version of that. Oh, my. Dude, I'm so happy you cut me off. You took everything I was just going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I, I was just going to say, you know, regardless of the situation, we're here now, and, and how I see this playing out is very similarly to what they've had happened to them the last two years with Chris Paul, except it's going to be magnified because every team looks great when they make 65% of their threes. And there's going to be a night in the regular season where, you know, they shoot 12% from three and they're going to get blown out by 25. And of course, every, and they're going to lose to a bad team. They're going to lose to a Minnesota. They're going to lose to a Phoenix, you name it. And everybody's going to look at it and say, oh, it's just a regular season game, whatever. But we can look back at that game when they're in game five of round two against the Lakers 
and they lose by 15, 20 points because they can't make a three, and then they're mentally broken and the series is over. What was the stat? I think it was game six last year. I think it was the last game that they lost to at home to Golden State without Durant. And I think they shot, I want to say they shot eight of 52. Yeah. I mean, you're not not winning a fucking basketball game that way. No, and that's the thing. I mean, they were doing that with Capella and Chris Paul. Now, like you said, you're getting a less efficient three-point shooter in Westbrook. You're getting Harden, who's capable of just as capable as he is of going for 62. He's just as capable of going for 18 and not making any shots. And not getting to the line. Right. Yeah, that's a bigger concern. And, and I guess their theory right now is, hey, threes are worth more than twos. And we'll let teams bully us inside, but we'll, we'll score more points because we'll make more threes and nobody can defend us. And we're going to fuck a team like Utah up because Rudy Gobert is going to become unplayable. I don't know, man. I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. I am with you. I have serious doubts. I, I can't I can't see it working. But this is Daryl's last ditch because especially after all the China stuff, like you said, we're not going to get into. He really, this is his last opportunity to really go for it. So he just said, fuck it. I'll trade Capella. P.J. Tucker is my biggest guy. And we're gonna win this way, or we'll we'll burn out in flames, right? Yeah, and, and I think um, uh, you mentioned Bill Simmons earlier. He says it on his pod all the time. He's not worried about him. And Daryl Morey's out of the league after this job. I think he's gonna go on to bigger and maybe better, maybe different things. I was gonna say, hey, fuck it, come to the Knicks. We couldn't get Masai. Uh, they already got what's his face, the the agent Pierce, was it? I believe. I don't think that's- uh, it's not Pierce. It's somebody else. I can't remember the last name, dude, honestly. Whatever, but, <laughs> I mean, I think this is his, I think his time is up in Houston and this experiment is done. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah, you really, you know, 2017 and, or 2018 and 2019, rather. Let's face facts, man. They missed their window. Well, I was just going to say, 2018 and 2019 was their window and they had it won twice and they couldn't close the deal. And, you know, for whatever reason that is, you know, we'll look back 5, 10, 15 years from now on the legacies of James Harden and Chris Paul or James Harden and Russell Westbrook and we'll say definitively whether they really should have won or not. Um, but as of for right now, we'll say that their window, it opened and closed real fast and I can't see it, you know, I can't see another another portal into a championship based off this style of play. Not at all, man. I think they're a second round out, to be honest with you. Yep, I'm right I'm right with you on that. All right, so let's move on to another big team that uh, talk about suffering injuries. Simmons and Embiid are out in Philly, my friend. Um, what's the news on the Embiid injury? I know Simmons, they said, is going to be out for two weeks, I, about probably, probably two and a half, I would say. Usually I tack on a little bit of time with injuries. Uh, what's Embiid's status? So you said... Uh, Simmons is out for two weeks. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Oh, okay. So I have so a month. Be, it'll be a little bit longer than that. Yeah, it, the, these back problems for him. You know, he really looked bad Saturday night in Milwaukee, uh, and I think this is something that's gonna. This is something that's gonna hurt them for for a while. I could see this going into mid March, but we'll we'll figure that out then. But 
Uh, and Bees is not as serious. It's a slight strain. He's going to miss a couple games. They're thinking he could be back in a week. So, you know, how effective he'll be is, is yet to be determined. But um, I, I, I got to get your take on this because you are the NBA guru. I know my stuff, but you kind of take it to the next level. So I got to ask you. This team seems to be at its best when one of the two is running the show. With them both out now, other guys have to assume roles that just aren't quite there for, you know, a Horford or a Harris or other players at this point. Let me ask you this, man. Is this a fi- is this a first round exit team? Because they can't win on the road. You're New York Knicks have a better record on the road than the Sixers. So yeah, what man. is the fate for them? Depending on injuries or not, what is the fate for them? They are quite the yin and yang because they look like they come out gangbusters with when it comes to the uh, the the home record, and they are fucking terrible on the road. And honestly, I you can't even explain it because not only I mean I'm looking at their I'm looking at their stuff on Basketball Records right now or Basketball Reference, excuse me, and. They're terrible defensively on the road, which defense, I mean, even in basketball, travels. And, and you know, you could say their shooting's a little bit shittier on the road. They like shooting at home a little bit better. Fine. But their defense is terrible as well. And I think that's on the coach. I think Brett Brown 1 is gone. And a first round out, I mean, I could totally see it. They're the five seed right now, which means that they would be playing on the road in the first round, right? They have to win a game on the road. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally could see them, especially with these two guys being out. It doesn't really look like – I mean, the thing with Tobias Harris is I, I watched them I, I watched them play a couple nights ago, and, and he, looks, he looks really good against subpar teams. Or, I think Miami is the four seed right now, so they play them. Yes, yes, you are right. I mean, they, they look really good against teams. Like, I watched them play the Atlanta Hawks. I, I think Embiid went off for, I don't know, he had like a career high, maybe 45, something like that. Oh, this was the other night, right? Yeah. When he gave the middle finger to the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and of course, that was in Atlanta. They got a win there, so that's nice. But, you know, but and Tobias Harris had a great game, but it's like he only comes out to play against these sub-500 teams, and that's not going to help you in the playoffs. He's a fine player, but he's he's a number three guy. Al Horford looks completely lost. He got moved to the bench. I don't know if that's his fault or just bad coaching and not being able to figure it out on that end. I'm going to chuck it up to coaching because Horford's a proven guy, and, I mean, Brett Brown, I think, should be fired. Um and I don't like to call for people's jobs, but let's be real here. I think, yeah, they might be a first round out. Honestly. To give yeah. you a long-winded answer there, just That's looking okay. at all this stuff. Yeah, because I don't give long-winded answers. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, man, I I'm, I appreciate that because I, I agree. I, the only thing I would go against you about is I don't know if it's as much coaching. I'm not the world's biggest Brett Brown fan, but – Elton Brand brought in Al Horford after re-signing Tobias Harris. They just don't fit. Yeah, and the problem is, you know, those are two untradeable contracts. They're kind of landlocked with those two guys for the next couple years. Right, and that's kind of my thing is, like, you know, you can coach the most you can. I mean, these guys just, you realize you're trying to, you know, these are puzzle pieces that just don't fit on that puzzle, and that's kind of what both of these players are, and 
And that's why, ultimately, this Simmons and B debate is going to be settled. I, one of them is going to be gone if they have an unceremonious first round or second round departure because... I don't know if I agree with that. I think this injury thing may have may have bought them a little more time. I don't know, though, man, because you watch them. I You know, the Nets play them four times a year, right? Now, the Nets should have beaten them, and I don't use the word should a lot because they're not the more talented team, but they should have beaten them last Thursday. So the Sixers are up 26-4. to four. The Nets go on a 48-8 to eight run. Lead by as many as 17. Joel Embiid, I think that night finished with 38 and 19 or 38 and 18 and just wills the Sixers back. There's nobody the Nets have that can stop him, especially when he's playing to that level, which he was that night making every shot from inside the post to a three point key. And they end up winning that game in overtime. And Simmons didn't play in that game. And I'm sitting there watching the Nets lose this, and I'm like, if they both played, the Nets would have won this game. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to say when you're missing a superstar. But they themselves don't fit. They clog the middle like crazy. And that's what, going all the way back to Jared Dudley's comments last year, which is if you make Ben Simmons a half-court player, he's kind of average. And he's only that way because he's not able to untap his full potential with Joel Embiid. Yeah, no, they both need completely. the ball a lot to be great, and that's the thing. Is like, do you want to take the point? I would always side with the point guard over the center, especially in today's NBA. Embiid seems more like Philly than Simmons does, but I don't know, man. I, I just. How much longer are we going to try to go at this? Because if you're if you're saying that both Harris and Horford are untradeable contracts, yeah, the, that's the back? only flexibility they really have. Exactly. I mean, you mean to tell me that you know, let's just say for the shit of it, Golden State gives you the number one overall pick, and you know, Kevon Looney and Draymond. You telling me Philly wouldn't necessarily do that for Embiid? Hey, man, I, I don't know. We're going to have to see how this season shakes out. I was only saying that because I just feel that they may get a second chance, another kick at the can if they if they can't, if they can justify it basically by saying, oh, they weren't, they weren't healthy. No, I, I get that. I just think the sample size is too, heavy, is too large to blame it strictly on health. I'll ask you this question before we move on, though. We both picked them to be the number one seed in the East, right? I believe we did. Right. So the reason we did that was we agreed upon when they're at their best, there's not a team better than them. We were wrong, man. <laughs> no, I don't see. I was just going to say, I don't think we were. When they are at their best, even Milwaukee, I don't know, can hang with them. When when Philadelphia they're, They've never been at their best, though, man. But, but, when they, but they've had games. I mean, they crushed Milwaukee on Christmas Day. They've beaten Boston badly once or twice. But then they have these games where they just, they can't, especially on the road, where they just look like they're completely out of it. And that's the thing. If they end up being the five seed, you can pretty much kiss their season goodbye if you're going to go based off of the regular season. Yeah, absolutely, man. I don't know what they're going to do. The more we talk about it, I think a trade might be in order. But we're going to have to see how that plays out. 
If they miss significant time, they could drop down in the seeding as well, which is scary for them to think. The only team they'll sink behind is Indiana because Brooklyn and Orlando ain't catching them. Indiana's been playing well lately, though. So, I mean, and a six seed, then you're playing the three seed. That's that's trouble. Yeah, then you draw Boston or Toronto in round one, and that ain't, that ain't fun. No, you do not want to play Toronto. Boston, I think they can match up with. But I don't, I don't like their chances of playing four, you know, a max of four games in TD Garden. Though. No, no, not at all. I agree with you on that. But that's kind of a wait and see. Anything else you've observed around the league? I already mentioned Bradley Beal briefly, who's been absolutely on fire lately, including against your Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, it was funny. Did you see the Nets did a box and one on him last night? I, I yeah, he he's made a comment like, "Are we playing high school basketball?" But you know what? If that's how, I mean, the Wizards ended up winning the game. But if that's how you're going to try and figure out a way to win the game, hey, more power to you. Hey, they they let Jerome Robinson hit a game winning shot. I'll take that. Yeah, of course. And you know what? You were right though. More, I think Bradley Beal had thirty something as opposed to fifty. So I still do think yeah, Kyrie. Thirty-seven last night. I think Kyrie still holds that fifty-point game thing for the year. I think it's he's right up there. I I don't know. I meant, and by the way, when I said that, I meant Eastern Conference, not overall, because I think Dame has a few. Yeah, Dame's three yeah. or four, and Bradley Beal's right there. But yeah, I mean that that's right there for the West. You know the Lakers are just so great. They really are great. Yeah. I, I, I would, and I do have trepidations about the Clippers. I, I keep expecting them to turn on to this next level. I picked the I Clippers as I picked the Clippers as a champion this year, and I'm concerned with the fact that Paul George seems somewhat invisible out there at times. And the other concern is that you know, aside from. I, I, I don't know. I can't think of another guy on this roster that has a, a ton of playoff experience aside from Kawhi, who obviously is one of the best players on the planet, especially when the lights are brightest in the playoffs. I don't know if this team has that kind of on-off switch. That's Because it seems worry. to be stuck on off right now. They've beaten the Lakers twice. The first one was opening night. They beat them pretty handily. You don't really have a feel for a team yet. They beat him on Christmas Day, barely. It's hard, man. I don't really know what this team is. And, you know, when you expect somebody to just flip a switch, I mean, we've seen this in the NBA a lot. I mean, there's teams that – I mean, Boston last year, I think, is a really good comparison. I mean, you kept saying, and maybe even Philly in the East this year, when, when, when everything clicks – no one's better, but sometimes it just doesn't click continuously. I mean, we saw Boston destroy Indiana in round one last year, and we said, oh, everything's fine. You know, now they won't lose after kind of an up-and-down regular season. And then they played Milwaukee, and they lose five. Exactly. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it's I definitely have more concern and worry about them. L.A., the, the Lakers seem to have – a really good mojo about this team. Um, I, I I like them a lot. And LeBron, I mean, he's playing like 2010 LeBron. Yeah. And that's that's horrifying for opposing teams. I mean, let's talk MVP. It's I think he's top two. Oh, it, it, I would be surprised if he's not MVP. Uh, actually, I take that back. Giannis could win again. But... LeBron for MVP and also Defensive Player of the Year. He has been locked down on defense. 
I agree with you. I think that's the one award he hasn't gotten his hands on yet. He's been amazing. And how he's been able to, to get to this role, you know, people are you know starting to have their conspiracy theories. All I say is this. Last year was the first year he didn't play that much in his whole career. And I think he needed that. I'm not saying the groin injury was ideal, but to have that, miss the time he did, not have to worry about April, May, and June for the first time since what? 2010 this is before that man i'd say like 2000 i mean he went to the final 2010 they didn't make they lost in the uh east final to boston well yeah but you're still talking about an extended playoff run you're looking at 2007 was i think the last time the Cavs didn't make the playoffs 2007 he had that great game that great game against detroit remember 07 they were a finals team Oh, when they lost to the Spurs? I thought that was 08. I'm sorry. That's when the Celtics went. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking at probably 06, 05. And shit, the guy's been in the league since 2004. 03, my friend. 03 was his draft year? 03, 04 was his first year. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I should fucking know that, but whatever. That's all right. You were right there. But no, I, I was just saying not a finals. I mean, that's the more staggering thing is that fact that last year was the first year he wasn't in a final since so 2020. Yeah, that's in, that's insane. And so I I don't know. I, I think he needed that because he's come back this year, and I think having AD and, and the pressure off of him and let's face it, a supporting cast that has played well, I, I, I think that between the coaching staff and the supporting cast and then having that second superstar that's a legitimate superstar, he's been able to play at his best and relish his role. And this is why he's, you know, argued as just as good as Jordan. I mean, he he has been able to turn back the clock in ways that we don't see normal players do. And this Laker team has a feel for it, man. It, it does. I don't know if they'll win it all. But right now, I, I'm definitely starting to waver on the Clippers. Even though the Lakers have lost to them twice, this Laker team looks absolutely loaded. And they don't take nights off. I'm starting to agree with you, man. But uh, speaking about turning back the clock, let's move on to some NFL. Tom Great Brady, man. Way. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm a professional. What can I say? I'm a CEO. So, <laughs> Tom Brady, I'm still saying he's going to be in New England. How are you feeling about that? Uh, we got our show notes here. You put the Giants on there. I mean, tell me something I I haven't been hearing that you, that made you put the Giants on this list. So I'll do that in a second, but I want to hear why are you still so convinced it's going to be New England? I think he's just playing chicken with them, and I think that they're going to give him the money that he deserves, and it, it has nothing to do with Belichick. I just think... Robert Kraft owns this team, not Bill Belichick, and he's going to jump across the table and give Tom Brady whatever he wants. Okay. And and honestly, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. And I did say when I gave the Colts and Buccaneers as two really good fits, I did preface that with I still think he'll be in New England. But so how do you feel now, man? I, I'm, I'm saying it right now. I think he's back in New England. I think... There's no way Kraft lets him go and it be seen in another uniform. I think he's gone. Wow. What's Jeff your percentage? Jordan. Yeah, well. Because I'm I, saying you know, I'm about 85% sure he's back in New England still. 
I think it's under 50% now. Jeez, okay. The only reason I'm saying that is like, so you know the talking heads on on sports shows, right? Of course. We're talking guys that are only paid to give opinions, Skip Baylesses, Stephen A's, Kellermans of the world. Well, one guy who's not is Jeff Darlington, who hardly ever has public, like, appearance. He'll do NFL Live, but he's not usually on Get Up or First Take. Well, he was on Get Up today. And this is a guy who's very plugged into Tom Brady's situation, the New England situation, and is a real reporter. He goes on and says, Tom Brady is telling people in his circle that he's talking to other teams and prepared to play somewhere else this year. And the reason that we are so guarded, obviously I'm paraphrasing, but anybody listening, you know, after this podcast concludes, go check out the YouTube clip from today's get up because it, 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 it was pretty, it was pretty raw. And, and you were convinced at least I was of him saying that, you know, the Patriots aren't even giving him, haven't even spoke to his agent yet. I just and, think it's a big old game of chicken, and it's a big old game of who blinks first, and I think Kraft blinks first. The, the only other reason I would say is because, man, you know, Jeff Darlington, you know, football, excitement aside, we, we've seen this in the NFL before, oh, more than right. any other sport. Montana retired a chief. Namath retired a ram. Like, it happens. And, you know, I can't picture him playing elsewhere, which is where I was going to say, Darlington kind of said, like, the reason we're still not buying it is because nobody can really picture him elsewhere. And we need to get over that is basically what he said. And I mentioned the Colts and the Buccaneers as possibilities because they from a football stance made sense. But one thing that I did not contemplate is the TB12 Tom Brady brand. And the reason that the Giants are in here to answer your question before was because Bleacher Report today had a very interesting feature story. And it was about everybody who's plugged into Brady and kind of these big prediction things that are usually right the three teams with the highest odds of landing him according to the intel coming into vegas are as follows number one the la chargers number two the las vegas raiders number three the new york giants that's why i put the giants on there now i don't think it'll happen and truthfully, as a Giant fan, I don't really want it to happen. As well, much your as GM I want, can't even confirm that Daniel Jones is the starter. No, that's the head coach, actually. I'm sorry. And that's, that's the bigger problem. I, I, I'll talk about Joe Judge another time. I, I don't want to fill up all this airspace talking. But it's the reason that I, I – he could literally go to the Giants, who have an absurd amount of cap space, especially now after cutting Alec Ogletree and Kareem Martin – two linebackers that were clogging up, you know, money. Brady can literally just go to them and say, listen, I want to play for you guys. Giselle and I want New York City. Foxborough and the Boston market's great, but it's not New York. This division is not very good. 
if you guys get me a couple linemen, I really like Saquon. I really like Shepard and Ingram, Tate and um, Slayton. I know you guys are going to take some more. Joe Judge, I've just had him, you know, coaching my guys for the last five years or uh, seven years. Nate Solders, my boy. For both on and off field, we kind of want this. So what do you think? Kind of using an NBA analogy to get to the NFL, are you going to be the team that says no to Tom Brady? Hey, man. It sounds like you're talking yourself into this. No, 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 no. Something's going on in those pants over there, Sean. How easy does it? No, because I was, was, like I said before, I don't really want it to happen, man. These NFL win-now moves don't usually work. No, they don't. But this is Tom Brady. You remember it with Brett Favre. He had a great 07 with Green Bay. NFC Championship game. He goes to the Jets, doesn't play all that well. Well, that's because he was sending dick pics to cheerleaders. I don't know if that's the reason, but it certainly didn't help. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, listen, he turned around and went back to Minnesota, and I think he went to uh, – that was Bounty Gate. I think he went to a championship game there too. He did. He did. It's just like – but the Jets put their – you know, they put their chips in that – on that side of the table or in the middle of the table rather, and on the other side ended up being the number six overall pick and Mark Sanchez the next year. So Thanks I don't know. I'm not – I like Daniel Jones a lot. Would I say no to Tom Brady? Thank God I'm not in this position. And truthfully, at the end of the day, I don't even think this is a conversation. He's going to go somewhere else or he's going to go back to New England. The Giants don't make sense to turn everything that I said around. The team's not all that great. How is he going to make the best out of another poor offensive line? which is why he'd be leaving the Patriots if he does. You do have some skill positions, but Eli wasn't able to turn those guys into anything else because Eli's a statue of a quarterback. Now, is Brady a better quarterback than Eli? Of course, but he stylistically is the same. And well, he can move around in the pocket, though. He's one of the most mobile quarterbacks within the pocket ever. Sure, but he's still – we've seen what happens when Tom Brady gets pressure on him, and he doesn't play that well. No, you're right. Case in point this year. I mean, right? Like, once that offensive line and Marshall Newhouse started playing games and starting games, that Patriots offense went down the shitter. He'd probably experience similar to that with the Giants. Also, too, it's like the the Giants have Daniel Jones. They spent the number six overall pick on a guy who, in my opinion, am I watching the next Joe Montana or Aaron Rodgers? No. But am I watching potentially the next Eli Manning or a guy that could win Super Bowls in the next 10 to 12 years? I have. I like a lot of what I saw from him. He made a lot of rookie mistakes. He's got to clean up the fumbles. But I think his trajectory is very promising. I mean, you can't tell me that you watched Daniel Jones this year and said, oh, abort, abort, abort. No, not at all. Not at all. He looked like a true professional out there. He had his moments. yeah, so that's kind of my piece. Where do you see after I just explained all that to you? What do you What do you see? I mean, obviously you predict he's going back to New England. I think he's going back see? to England. I think it's a big fat game of chicken, and I I think that Kraft's going to jump the table when Brady says, "Oh well, I'm going to sign with uh, I don't know the L.A. Chargers for thirty million," and and Kraft just says, "All right, I'll give you the money." Two questions for you: Do you 
A, let's just say that he's not going to go back to New England and you have to pick a team. What team is that? And B, do you see any, any validity in any of the Giants arguments that I gave you? I see some validity, but I don't think it'll happen. I think they'll stick to their guns with Daniel Jones. And as for a team that I think he goes to, I think it's probably... I think it's the Chargers. I mean, they got an opening at quarterback. They're moving into a new stadium that's not theirs. They just moved into a town that, I mean, they can't even get anybody to show up. At the very least, if you put Brady in a Chargers uniform, people will show up. So I I think all signs point to L.A. if he doesn't go back to New England. Yeah... No, I mean, the Raiders, I, too, though. I mean, Derek Carr is, is proven that he's most likely not a franchise quarterback. And also, they're moving to a new town. So I think it's a 50-50 shot if he just says, fuck the Patriots. Okay, a third question for you, because I think, I think that we will end up being again on the same page with this, but maybe not. But I think we will. Did you think Brady suffered a real setback this year as far as ability to play, or do you just blame that lack of production in the second half on the fact he literally had no offensive line running game and no one to throw the ball to? Brady's what, 46 years old? 43. 43, that's it? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, that's not it in terms of football. (laughs) Regardless, he's still old. So I think there is regression, um, but I think I give it more to – the lack of offensive line. I know they attempted to get him weapons, but clearly they didn't pan out given Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Nikhil Harry, um, Edelman injuries, no Gronk. So I would probably say it's about 10 to 15% regression, and the rest is it wasn't the, the it wasn't their year, and that team was not built for success in the Patriots' way. Now, they still went 12-4, and four, but... You know, they're there to win Super Bowls, and that team was not built for success, in my opinion. I agree. Um, And that's kind of where, to me, this argument meets a real crossroads as far as as judging what his future is going to be coming up in the short term here, right? Like, do teams, especially the Patriots, look at him and say, this guy is going to hit a wall fast and we don't want to be the team he hits that wall for or is it really listen has he lost a little bit sure but look at what he had to work with i mean you see it you see it every you see it all the time with these quarterbacks shit falls uh, it travels fast downhill i mean you look at Eli Manning, he fell apart pretty quickly. You look at Peyton Manning, he fell apart pretty quickly. You, going back to quarterbacks, those guys that linger a little too long, it seems to happen fast. But again, this is Tom Brady to New England Patriots. Robert Kraft says he's like his son. I don't think I think they I think he's not gonna let it happen. Yeah, I mean it's just so hard to picture him anywhere else, right? Yeah. If I'm a betting I man, think- I'm not going to bet on this, but... I know. I'm just going based off everything I've been hearing and everything I've been hearing shows that he really is considering other destinations, and we'll have to see. Um, 
either way, we're going to find out soon. Everybody believes he's going to be the first domino to fall. Wow. We're Interesting. Three, we're three weeks away from the start of legal tampering. Um, we're in the combine now, and, and speaking of which, we have some news from this combine that I think are pretty interesting. I want to get your take on all of these. First and foremost here, two of his medicals are clean. Uh, his hip has, has fully healed from the surgery. He's not going to do anything at the combine, but they say he's going to be good to start throwing by March 9th and that he's going to be more than ready to throw at his pro day in Tuscaloosa in early April. Does this change anything to you as far as, you know, availability of the quarterback position in this draft and who is going to try to position themselves for said franchise quarterback? Because I felt this way all along. Burrow is a great prospect, but he's a one-year wonder. Who was the best prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck? He'll soon be surpassed by Trevor Lawrence next year. But if he's all clean and he's ready to go, do you see a real shakeup in the beginning of this draft? Um, I, I still think he's the second quarterback taken off the board. I think the Bengals have already made up their mind. Um, with that being said, I mean, the top ten picks, you got the Redskins in there. They're committed to Haskins. Maybe the Lions could take him. Because, you know, I don't believe the bullshit when they say they're not going to trade Stafford. If Tua, if Tua falls to them, I think they take a chance on Tua and try and hit the reset button, especially with Matty PP in there, because I think that buys him a few more years as head coach. So you're saying if he falls to three, Detroit takes him? Yep, I do. Wow. And then they flip Matty Stafford. That's going to be tough, man, because at that point, a lot of quarterback vacancies are going to be filled. Yeah. So I don't know about that. I, I would. Or maybe would they have, fuck it. Maybe they trade Matt Stafford within the next couple of weeks, and then they just commit to him. Well, at that point, what makes it interesting is teams are going to be moving up to number two then, and I don't know who. I don't know if Detroit's going to want to do that. Yeah, I mean, if it, but again, it's the quarterback. If two is your guy, you do whatever it takes to get him, right? Well, I guess so, you know, under that hypothetical, sure. I, you got I Miami, find... they could possibly take him or move up to take him at five. Los Angeles at six could possibly move up to take him. Lord knows what the Panthers' ideas are at seven. Then you look down, you got Jacksonville. Yeah, They're at number nine. They. They have quite a weird situation with Gardner as well as they have a lot of money sunk into Nick Foles. Cleveland, the Jets, they're probably not going to go quarterback. Nope. We'll see Denver's what in there. But that's a long way to move up. I, I, it's it's going to be very interesting. I think that this could shake things up because if Burrow says he doesn't want to go there, to Cincinnati that is, you know, they either – bring in a quarterback in free agency and say, fuck it, we want to use this pick to either accumulate more assets or take Chase Young. And... Um, the yeah, fuck you mean Burrow says he doesn't want to go there? Too bad. Too oh, bad. He's, that's a narrative that's well out there. I don't get that shit. Oh, yeah. There, this has been talking about for a couple weeks now, my man. They, they, there has been whispers that he's that he does not want any part of Cincinnati. 
And then he could pull an Elway or Eli and say, I'm not playing here. Well, I still also, don't know how he – I mean, Elway had baseball. I don't know how true it was, but he threatened to do that. I don't know what the fuck Eli had, and I don't know what the fuck Joe the, Burrow the, has. The Manning name, that's what he had. What does Burrow have? Nothing. <laughs> but, again, that's – we. this is a player's – the, the players have a lot of leverage here, man, and that's kind of the thing. Is, well, they're in CBA negotiations right now, and it doesn't really sound like they have too much <laughs> leverage, my friend. Well, no, I mean, they have the less, the least out of every other sport, but it is interesting, though, because, listen, here, uh, if, if Cincinnati just says, listen, there's a this quarterback carousel is absurd, and we could bring in a very competent quarterback. Jonah Williams is going to be back next this coming year. Our number pick, our number, our first round pick last year, and then we spend the number one pick on either trading it for more assets or or take Chase Young. And now we have a quarterback, we have a left tackle, and we have a defensive end. I mean, three of the four checkpoints of a great team as far as positions are concerned. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I would certainly not put my money on it. But Cincinnati's a weird team. There's a reason that they don't win a lot, and that's. That could be – they could resort back to some of their old ways and look at, you know, we'll trade for Cam Newton or Matt Stafford. Give us the third pick. You can have them, you know, like that kind of thing. Like give us Stafford and the third pick and we'll give you the first and two future firsts or so. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But um, either way, there this Tua deal definitely has a shakeup because Tua is the better player. He's the better prospect. He's the better player than Burrow, and that's not an Alabama object, like you know, subjective take. That's a he's the he's been heralded as the better prospect. A year ago, we didn't even know who Joe Burrow was. Two years ago, teams started tanking for Tua, so that just is what it is. Um, you did say the Redskins are committed to Haskins. Certainly not how it sounded out of Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera's voice yesterday. Jeez, saying that they were excited about him, but you know everything's open for business and they are meeting with both Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. Interesting. So do you believe the Redskins, the owner took, the owner moved in to take Haskins, That's right? why I believe they're committed to Haskins. Okay. Even with the new GM and head coach. Yeah, the owners always win, man, and he's he's a shitty one. <laughs> Fair. Do you think they should be committed to Haskins? No, or not if, at all. I think you go for talent, man. Fucking take two. Do what the Cardinals did. They're looking up this year. Take a quarterback two years in a row. Fuck it. Get your guy. Period. Point blank. Do you quarterback believe quarterback is uh, different than any other position in any other sport? Do you believe that the Giants actually are open for business and that Gettleman will finally trade down in the draft? Kind of going against what he's his mo, right? Yeah, it's not what he's ever done. Yeah, I, I mean, he's been he's had two teams he's been GM of for a few years each. I don't think he does it. I think he actually is because it's not just his decision anymore. And I think that this Tua thing does shake things up, and it could go all the way to the number four pick. And the Giants, you know, they, they're going to need assets. And although every mock has them taking either – Jedrick Wills, the the offensive tackle out of Alabama, or has them taking um, Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker out of Clemson, both of which I think would serve a huge benefit 
Another benefit is also taking two of these kind of guys in the first round. And I think they are open to it. If the right deal is there, I think, you know, a, a, a team that wants Herbert because both Tua and uh, both Tua and Burrow are gone and Herbert's sitting there at five, a team could definitely move up to the Giants at four. Somebody like the Chargers, somebody like the Broncos or, or Panthers. And you say, okay, we have to consider this now. Okay. Now for the Jets... Just wrapping things up here. Uh, every year I'm always like disappointed by what they do. I want them to take a skill position guy. This year I'm going to go the other way. I think last year I want them to take an offensive lineman. This year I want them to do the same thing. I want an offensive lineman. I think that's I think that's where you're going. And this is a super deep draft when it comes to wide receivers. So I think you can wait till the second round to scoop that. I do too, and I think you're going to get. I think you're going to get a guy in, in free agency to come. And, and play wide receiver for you. And truth of the matter is, is Joe Douglas likes to draft impact players. And an impact player for you right now is an offensive lineman. And for the first time in a really long time, I trusted the decision-making from the Jet front office. Jeez, that gives me a little bit of confidence. How could it not? Look at his track record. Absolutely, man. You got anything else going on? Anything in pop culture? You watching, listening, anything? Not too much in pop culture. Definitely politics, though. Are you following this Democratic debate? I've I've peeked in, but honestly, it's more depressing than anything else for me. Did you watch Bloomberg last week? No, I did not. But I oh heard. Oh my god! Oh, got ripped to shreds, and he got he got ripped to shreds again a second week in a row on Tuesday night, and. Um, you know, if he could sound half as good as he sounds in his com- in his commercials, as he as he could here on the on the debate panel, I'd feel better about him. Well, um, he can't spend twenty two million dollars or twenty eight or whatever he's already spent just since entering a couple weeks ago. Three hundred million dollars. Three hundred he spent. He's a yeah. Wow, I I I heard the number. Wow, I'm I'm way off on that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's he's he's. I mean, he's that's like me down. spending three bucks on a cup of coffee for him, but. Oh, he's gonna be back. He'll back whoever wins, you know, just because it's his mission is to beat Trump. But it has been very interesting. Um, it has it has been, you know, Bernie seems to be leading the polls now, but he's still not loved by a lot on the left because he's too far left. I'm not a big fan. I'm not either. Uh, the The thing that was intriguing about Bloomberg was he was more centrist, but he's just he's been so bad, and, and that's where it leads me to believe that you know if he's out, the guy that everyone's dismissing could reemerge, and that's Joe Biden. I I I can't. I think he's it. toast, man. He's put his foot in his mouth too many times. It, it, but I think what it's going to be is. Even though he has done that, it, it, how far left does the Democratic Party want to go? Uh, and I don't think I don't think Buttigieg or uh, Klobuchar really have a shot yet. No, and I I think Biden is is it's going to come down to to him. You know, if we don't want to go too far, if we want to go left, obviously Bernie's the guy. But there's Here's, a lot of concern that that, that Bernie's going to get eviscerated by Trump. Here's the real problem, and I don't really want to give away too much of my political views, but 
sure. if you are a Democrat and yeah. your main goal is beating Trump, I'm not confident in any of these categories, any of these, not categories, any of these candidates to go on and do that. So it's all fine and dandy when you guys get your candidate together, but when it comes to the big race, I don't think any of them are going to win. Well, I think that's why they're trying to get their ducks in a row before Super Tuesday next week is, you know, that's going to give us an idea. They should have had their fucking ducks in a row, man. Are we going, are we, are we, you know, when I say we, I mean, I'm speaking from a part of the country where, you know, the blue is always the, is always going to win, but are are Democrats going to rely that much on the far, far left and go to Bernie? Or are they going to say, yeah, that's still a little too extreme for me. And, you know, Biden, I know you've got a lot of skeletons and you're not ideal, <laughs> but we're, we also don't want to go socialist. So we're going to, we're going to go to you. Cause I don't think, I think Bloomberg's sabotaged himself already. That was a quick run, quick 300 mil. Yeah. Right. I mean, He'll back anybody, and, and I respect that. But so far, not great. Uh, but that is something I've been I've been tuning into a lot. Curb has obviously been my great escape. Uh, six episodes into this season, I've only caught five, so don't spoil anything from the six. I wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> you, I'm not doing that in season. I'm not that guy. Thank I've had you. a great time with it, though. It's great. How about you? What are you listening to? What are you watching? Um. Lately, I, the show I picked up on was, uh, it's on Netflix called The Outsiders, not on Netflix, I'm sorry, HBO, called The Outsiders. Um, now, it's it's a Stephen King book, or it's based off of that. I'm not really into sci-fi, and but it's crazy because I say that while I watch it, like, oh, I'm not into this sci-fi shit, yet I still find myself you know, wanting more and watching till the end of the episode and, and looking forward to the next Sunday when it comes out. So it's pretty damn good in my opinion. Are you a Stranger's guy? Strange, yeah, um, Stranger, Stranger Things? things? Nah, yeah. man, I could never get into it. Maybe I'll give it another go. I don't know. Have you watched it? I watched the first season more out of obligation, I felt. I didn't, I couldn't get into the second season. I, I'm, I'm out. Okay, all right. Yeah, I watched the first episode and decided I was out. So I, I saved a little bit more time than you. Billions is coming back soon. I'm excited for that. That's a show that I love. Um, and uh, honestly, that's pretty much it aside from sports. Good. Yeah, that's good to College hear, College basketball is starting to heat up. I am high on Kentucky. Very high. Are you? Where are you on Dayton? Um, I think that they're, I think they're going to be an early out in the tournament. They're fun to watch. They got a high flyer and a good score, but... You know, uh, these mid-majors, I just don't think that they're going to make it very far. Yeah, I have, I'm not plugged in enough. UConn's they have a senior well. lane team, which is always a good recipe for for March, but I don't think I don't see it happening. Duke's really disappointed me this year, um, but they're going to re-up next year. They got another five-star guy that just visited a couple days ago in their win against, I forgot who they played, but I think he's definitely going to sign there. Um, but yeah, I'm high on Kentucky this year. Why are you so high on them? Because they have three guys that can that can make plays. They have one of the best big men in the country, and they have three guys that can create their own shot as well as shoot off of a pass as well. 
and they're clutch. I watched them in a lot. I've watched a lot of Kentucky. I've gambled on a lot of Kentucky this year. And there you go. They close out games, period. And you know how Cal is. They get off the slow starts. They lose the teams they shouldn't, and then come tournament time, they're ready to go. I don't like Cal as a coach personally, but he has his guys ready to go come tournament time. I just don't like Cal in the big game in the last two seconds. But I think that they're going to beat up on a couple teams in the tournament. Big Ten seems to be the deepest conference. I think that's bullshit. Yeah, I think that's bullshit. I, I I think that you know, any team in the SEC on the top half of them can go up against any team in the Big Ten. I I hate that they're ranked so highly, and Joe Lenardi literally has every fucking team under the sun from the Big Ten going in. I had I I had that Auburn Tennessee game on last Saturday, and I was glued to my TV. You know I'm a that big Auburn a guy. Bro. Great game. I know you are. I love cheaters. You do. Bruce Pearl, well, he's your guy. And Rick Barnes it has that Tennessee team loaded, too. Obviously, you know, Bruce Pearl's former stop. Yeah. Um, I, I think, honestly, now with uh, me a lot. With what's-his-name at, um, what was it, where did Leach go? Mississippi State? Yes. I think I'm an SEC guy. I might have to apply to a couple schools to get my well, message. Well, you know, you know the Egg Bowl is going to be now the must-watch college football game of the year before the playoffs because you've got Wayne Kiffin at Ole Miss going against Mike Leach at Mississippi State I know that's going to be a lot of fun and the last thing I'll say about you know college basketball I am completely out on St. John's I am just I'm disappointed man more than anything Uh again it's been a disappointment it's been a disappointment filled podcast between the Yankees and the Kyrie Irving injury they honestly you know, if this was a soccer thing, they'd be relegated to fucking uh, wherever, whatever Fordham plays in. They'd be relegated out of the Big East. <laughs> yeah, it's been re- – excuse me. It's been rough for them. Um, I don't even watch the games anymore, man. It's just fucking terrible. Yeah, it definitely is demoralizing when you when you know that it's kind of like a helpless – floundering situation. program, man. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of where, you know, I guess if you're going to bring up the Johnnies, I'll bring up UConn is – there's a ray of hope there, my friend. They lost a cook, a cook who had been playing great, and to a to a ruptured Achilles. Now he's going to probably miss all next year too, most of next year anyway. But they've got uh, Travis Booknight, who's been amazing, and their their younger players are really starting to to show up. And they lost some tough game. They won some really impressive games before conference play. They lost a couple of really tough overtime or double overtime games in conference play. But recently they've been winning on the road. They've been winning at home. They beat in Cincinnati. Uh, They beat up on Memphis and they've had a couple of nice wins. They're going to head back to the big East next year. For now, I think that they could maybe make a little bit of a run in, in the AAC tournament in a couple weeks, maybe get to a semifinal or something. Um, but they are fun to watch. I mean, they are not a waste of my time. And, you know, if they ever, if they happen to win that tournament and get into the, uh, get into the big dance, you know, that would be a pipe dream. But for right now, they, I, I feel good about the direction of this program. Hurley definitely has his identity stamped on this team. And as he really starts to get more of his guys in there, 
you know, heading back into the Big East next year, we'll get to see some UConn St. John's games, you know, yeah. up close and personal. Well, there's one guy that I want St. John's to go out and get. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He is the head coach of Panathiakonos, uh Greek Euro basketball. League. Oh yes, I think I've, I think I've heard of him. His guy. name is Richard Slick Rick Patino. Mm, yeah, it rings a bell. You know, You've I've been mentioned on, about him for a while now. I've mentioned on the pod before. I mean, they almost he was gonna go there before he went to Louisville, and they wouldn't give him a private jet. Take the tuition money that I wasted there <laughs> and everybody else's tuition money that they wasted and buy the guy a fucking PJ. Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you're a private Catholic school and when you're, you know, Louisville. Their money seems to fly a little bit better there, no pun intended. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, that's the one guy I want out of Greece. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him. Yeah, well, you know, you might want Giannis, too, for your Knicks. He's another one. Don't get me started. We're not talking Knicks today, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, brother. It was good talking to you. We'll do this again uh, next week. Yes, absolutely. Everybody enjoy their week, and we'll be talking to you soon. Hopefully no more Yankee injuries. Yes. Had enough. Yes. Go Yanks. Go Yanks.